Welcome to the Tipping Point Podcast. It's been a while since we have posted anything up here on any of our podcast channels, and we thank you all so much for tuning in. This is going to be the first of, I guess, what I would like to call a series of interviews that I'm going to be having with people in and out of El Paso where we talk about, you know, basically everything out there. Um, One of the biggest issues that's kind of been around right now in sports is BLM and everything that's surrounding BLM. And I'm joined today on today's podcast by Jayla Washington. She is a former gymnast at Ball State. She is a multimedia journalist storyteller over at KFOX and CBS4 Local. And she actually has a somewhat loose connection to a member at Alabama's gymnastics team or a member of Alabama's gymnastics team who recently had to endure a bunch of racial slurs and inequality and, and actions that, she, that came out questionable that was uh, identified by ESPN. Jayla and I talked before we get into, you know, the nitty gritty of stuff and the way the podcast is laid out is, you know, we're going to talk about some fun stuff, get into the serious stuff, end with some more fun stuff. And we talk about Jayla's trip around the world, basically, where she went from Indiana to Spain, to over here in El Paso. And that is just an interesting trip to kind of uh, listen to and and understand, you know, where she came from and what brought her here to the city of El Paso. Later on, of course, like I said, we do talk about the BLM movement. And it is a, it is a conversation that I think needs to be had. It's a conversation that I feel needs to continue to be had because we have a lot of distractions right now. And I feel like this is the only way that we would be able to keep the, the momentum moving of, of understanding one another better. Jayla is very gracious with her time. I, I appreciate it every minute of She is absolutely amazing. And we end today talking about her favorite places here in El Paso. And she might have turned me on to some wine. I'm not going to lie. I might be swinging by uh, Walmart after this and picking up a little bit of, uh, of wine to see if we can try some of that stuff out. So listen in. Give us as, as much feedback as you want. And trust me whenever I say this, if you hit me with... The you're a sports dude, stick with sports. I am going to just bash you over the head with more and more not sports because there are more facets to every single one of us than just one identifier. So happy listening. If you like what you hear, give us a little bit of a like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you don't like what you hear, I always expect a little bit of uh, of criticism. Please let me know how we can make things better. I will tell you this for all the audio nerds out there. There was a jet engine that we call a fan here in our studio, which you're going to hear in the background. And I apologize for that sincerely, but please do not let it detract you from the great conversation I have with Jayla Washington of CBS4 and KFOX right here on The Tipping Point. What's going on, everybody? Mike Tippy here with iHeartRadio. I'm joined right now by Jayla Washington from KFOX and CBS. You can follow her on Twitter at JaylaKFox underscore CBS. <laughs> if you look today, which is a Friday, you'll see she had herself one hell of a week. I did. Uh, I think it was Monday the power went out, right? Or was it Tuesday yep, that the power went out? that was on Monday, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, so you had the power went out, and then I guess today somebody recorded and sent to you a video of what happened. So I was cleared, I thought, at the end of my live shot. And I'm like, okay, smiling, smiling, smiling. I'm like, cool, I'm done. And like, in between my live shots, I drink coffee or eat junk food. And I like walked away. (laughs) And I go back and watch it. And like, apparently there was a glitch in our system to where you see me walking away, not clear. So (laughs) That's the one thing that I always have to like ask and then remind myself because of being someone that like went through journalism, like multimedia journalist and all that. Mm -hmm. They tell you, stare at the camera, smile for about five seconds in your head and then walk away. (laughs) You did everything you were told to do. (laughs) Exactly. So my producer in my ear is like, oh, Jayla, wait for me to tell you you're clear because you weren't clear and there was a glitch and we got you walking away. And I'm like, I thought you said clear, but okay, I guess I'm hearing things. So, well, okay, so was that video sent to you from, like, your producer, or was that sent to you from, like, a like a, a fan? Like no, no, no. So you can actually go back in our system and watch. So I like to laugh at myself. I like to make fun of myself. So I saw it, and I just recorded it, and I posted it just for a good little laugh. See, I'm the, like, I'm the exact same way. Uh, whenever I do rejoins on my show, anytime, like, someone messes up, mainly me, mm-hmm. or someone's making fun of me, that those are, like, the rejoins that bring people back to remind them that they're listening to this guy who shouldn't be here in this position. Uh, people can also follow you on Instagram at JaylaWashTV. 
You're from uh, Indiana. Mm -hmm. What part of Indiana? Because in all my research, I couldn't find the actual city. So I don't yeah. know if like you grew up on some sort of farm, just way out in the middle of God. nowhere, or an actual city. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, well, I always tell people who aren't from Indiana that I'm from Indianapolis, because if I tell people where I'm really from, they won't know where it's from. Um, and anybody in Indiana hates the city that I'm from, so I'm from Carmel, Indiana. Carmel, um, Indiana. Which, granted, I technically grew up in Indianapolis, but my parents moved to Carmel when I was probably in, like, fifth grade. So Carmel, Indiana is, like, the suburbs, but every we get a bad rap because people say that, like, oh, Carmel, the uppity Carmel kids, like, that's who you guys are. So... That's why I'm always like, oh yeah, I'm from Indianapolis, but yeah, Carmel, Indiana. That's Carmel, Indiana, so it's kind of like what basically people from El Paso consider the west side. Basically, great <laughs> analogy, exactly. See, I know, I know a little bit of things here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, being from Indiana, and then going to Ball State, you were in uh, gymnastics over at Ball State, we'll get to that coming up in just a minute as well. Um, what was it about like the news that kind of drew you in to doing what you do now? So I knew that I wanted to do the news pretty much since I was in middle school. Um, I got involved with our student media in middle school and then high school, the CHTV with like the high school announcements, did some sideline reporting, um, got into some internships. I really um, like news because I think it's an opportunity to really do something different every day. And then obviously the more that I got into it, the more that I realized you really have the opportunity to tell what's going on in your community, to hold people accountable. Um, and I'm, I really enjoy that just because I feel like the work that we do really matters. So it's a fulfilling job to have because you feel like you're actually making a difference, even if it is in a small way on a daily basis. Um, like I said, obviously now being further into it, you realize, especially during the times that we're living in now, how important it really can be in certain situations. So yeah, I think it's a it's a great field, and I really couldn't see myself doing anything else, honestly. Well, see, that's a good thing because whenever you don't see yourself doing something else, that's whenever you devote everything to it. Yeah. Like, at least at least that's my own experience. I don't Definitely. know about uh, other people out there. I was going to ask, like, what was it about El Paso that drew you here? And then I did some research. I saw that uh, you first started off in Amarillo, mm -hmm. and you had worked for a magazine in Spain. Mm -hmm. So. Why, like, why that? Like, from, from Indianapolis, we're just going to go to the Indianapolis thing. From Indianapolis to Madrid, Spain, like, how, how did that come about? So, in college, I <clears throat> majored in journalism, TCOM, and Spanish. Journalism and TCOM, they were a dual major. It was a dual major, and then um, Spanish. It was Spanish linguistics. Super hard. But um, I knew that I wanted to study abroad because everybody's saying when you study abroad, you really kind of get your Spanish skills sharp. And I knew that I couldn't go for a full semester because I was an athlete. So I was like, I'll just go for a summer. And I knew that I wanted to <clears throat> be hands-on and I knew that I wanted to actually be in the workplace that I could get more of that, I guess, real-world experience and kind of kill two birds with one stone bettering my Spanish skills and then also getting uh, credit for an internship, which, which was a requirement for my major. So I decided to go to Spain, just because why not? Madrid, Spain. Um, had a great time there. I was there for probably a little over three months. I lived with the host family, um, was working at that magazine. I actually still talk to my coworker. I'm really close with one coworker in particular till this day. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how that came about. And then after Madrid, I really kind of, when I came back from Madrid, I was fluent in Spanish. Um, even though I don't speak it as well as I speak English, I was pretty fluent. And my, when I came back from Spain, my Spanish skills were A1. It was like, I was dreaming in Spanish. Like, I was speaking with the lisp, all of that. <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I went, I traveled to uh, southern Spain when I was there, and it's so crazy how, like, you don't realize that even in different countries there are different dialects. So, like, even there, like, down south there, could not understand a thing. Like, their accents are so thick. Sorry, getting sidetracked. So, after graduating, I wanted to go somewhere where I could be a true bilingual multimedia journalist. So, I was looking at Arizona. I was looking at Texas. And I ended up being really drawn to Texas because their state is huge and there are so many opportunities here. And then starting out, you know, it's not always easy to get your foot in the door, especially some Indiana girl who nobody knows straight out of college. Like, it is so hard getting noticed out of college, especially across the country. Um, but I don't know. I am a firm believer that if you want something, you can go get it. 
and you can get it as long as you're willing to work hard enough for it. So I literally probably applied for over a hundred jobs and probably maybe heard back from two, including Amarillo. So that's how I got my start. But I looked it up and I saw that they had a pretty decent Spanish speaking population there. So I was like, whatever, okay, I'll go to Amarillo. Um, after being in Amarillo for a little over a year, I was like, okay, I have another year in my contract, but I wanted to go somewhere else. I wanted to keep growing, and I thought that I was good enough to leave Amarillo just as far as my abilities in the business. Um, so decided I wanted to try out another Spanish-speaking market. So what better market to try out than El Paso? And actually, I wanted to start in El Paso, but El Paso didn't have any openings straight out of school. Okay, well, so you didn't apply, and we just didn't get no, back to you. There was nothing yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and like I didn't know much about El Paso, but at that point, I just really was it, was... it was hard moving away from home, like, my first time. I was like, I had a really rough start in Amarillo, just adapting and being by myself. So I just was ready kind of for something new. Um, so ended up applying here in El Paso loved the station right away just talking to the phone just talking on the phone to them and uh, when I got flown out and like saw the place I was like oh my gosh El Paso is like super cool and Amarillo is like really small and like I'm a total city girl so when I saw El Paso I was like okay cool we're getting back to the city life a little bit <laughs> so uh yeah like honestly I was sold when I came out here for my interview and then since being here I tell people all the time I've literally never been happier like I've had such an amazing experience here. The people have been incredible, um, so welcoming, and I really feel like I'm starting to come into my own here in El Paso as far as being a journalist. That's the one thing that I see uh, a lot of journalists, I should say, whenever they come to El Paso, like it, like it just grows in them. It's like a place yeah. that they just absolutely fall in love with. Uh, and it's a good thing to hear from like my hometown. Like, I, I, I love hearing that. Yeah. You mentioned that, when, that you went to Madrid, Spain to do like the internship to grow, and then of course you came back bilingual in Spanish. I'm from El Paso, I am the worst at Spanish, so maybe you can teach me, but I wanted to ask you this question. In 2017, I had the opportunity to go to Cuba. Whenever they first opened up Cuba, I was gonna go with UTEP over there for like the summer, basically the same thing you did with Madrid. And then I got a job offer to ESPN. Should I have gone to Cuba? Because I feel like I would have came back and known more Spanish. How long were you going to be in Cuba? Uh, it was about two and a half months. Do you know Spanish now? See, I know a little bit, but like just because of, and, and maybe it's me being like in my head a little too much, like I feel like I have a deep voice and this voice doesn't translate well to Spanish because most really? guys that speak Spanish don't sound like this. Okay. So I feel like my accent's going to be weird, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. People like, And every time I try to speak Spanish, people give me this look like, what's, what's this guy doing? Yeah. No, honestly, first of all, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. So if you didn't go to Cuba, it was for a reason. You might not know what that reason is. You might not ever figure out what that reason was. But, I mean, ESPN, that's an incredible opportunity. And then also, you're born and raised here in El Paso. If you want to, you know, really dive into learning more Spanish or speaking Spanish better, all you have to do is go down the street and sit down at a restaurant and really just force yourself to, I guess get outside of your comfort zone, even though you are born and raised in El Paso, if that makes sense. See, to me, like, it's so weird, though, because somehow, and I don't know how I passed Spanish in high school, <laughs> but, like, growing up, um, I'm, I'm, like, moderate or, like, very intermediate when it comes to, like, uh, German. Mm -hmm. I can speak French pretty well. My next language I want to learn is, like, Italian. And it's like, okay, I'm doing, like, all this other stuff except for Spanish. Because uh -huh. I feel like being here, like, Spanish is always going to be on the background. Yeah. You know? like, just go get some Rosetta Stone. Go yeah. hang out in Wattis like I used to whenever I was 14. Right. Yeah. Like, go do that, and maybe it'll come back to me. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should do what you're doing and just, like, go learn Spanish and get over the mental hump that well, I have. Well, there are even times, like, since being in El Paso, like... I mean, because I would always say, oh, whenever I live somewhere where everybody speaks Spanish, I'm never going to speak any English. Like, and... No, like there are times where like I try to speak Spanish with like my coworker, and sometimes I'm just tired. My brain, like I really have to think like to speak Spanish. Like yeah, I can speak it, but it is not like it just comes out like I'm speaking English. So I can totally understand why you feel like oh it's always gonna be on the back burner because like even since being here, I really should take advantage of like working with a Spanish speaking coworker every single day or all of my coworkers who are bilingual every single day, but. I don't know. See, and that was going to be the next question. I was going to ask you, like, how much of the Spanish that you learned? Because the Castilian Spanish is going to be so different than what you get here on the border. I was like, how much of that Spanish are you actually, like, implementing here in El Paso? Like, have you gone up to people, like, as a reporter, be like, hey, how do you feel about this? And, like, like I don't speak English. You're like, oh, okay, well, I got something for you. Yeah, actually, that happens all the time. <laughs> well, pre-COVID, I miss people because you don't get to go up to people as much as you used to. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people like to pretend, uh, you Pasoans, you guys like to pretend like, uh, oh, no, um, 
I don't speak any in, any English. And then as soon as you speak Spanish, they're like, ah, oh, dang, you speak Spanish. Well, I really just don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are some people who are like nice when they're like, okay, she speaks Spanish. Let me just give her some, give her some of my time today. Um, but there are also times where I'm speaking it and like people are looking at me crazy and they're like, where are you from? Like, why did, why does your accent like sound like that? Cause like sometimes I guess like the Spaniard accent does come out a little bit just because that's like the Spanish that I learned and then also in all of my classes a lot of my professors were uh, from not from Spain but learned their Spanish in Spain as well so we were speaking Spanish all throughout our Spanish classes we weren't allowed to speak any English so it was kind of like being in Spain all the time just because of the dialect that you got from your professors um, but yeah all in all El Paso Spanish is much different. I'm learning a lot of slang here. I won't say any of it because I don't want to embarrass myself or say anything too out of line. But uh, yeah, like every day I'm learning something new, like a term here, a phrase here that I'm like, what? Or there's even stuff that I say that like, um, I guess you guys don't, words that you guys don't use here. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, oh, I said guay. Like guay? So guay is like cool, like oh, okay, guay, like you know. Mm -hmm. And I said that to one of my coworkers, and he's like, "What are you talking about? Like, what are you saying?" So yeah, imagine that spelling being like G U A Y, mm -hmm. and I'm like here, if you say that, it's way. So <laughs> it's, it's like completely different connotation. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it's been really cool though. So it, it is interesting coming from the background that I come from, learning Spanish, and then actually being you know, emerged into this community where the Spanish is totally different, but you can still get by and I guess kind of mix the two and kind of just do your own thing and make it your own thing. What was it about Spanish? Because I don't figure in Indianapolis <laughs> there being a whole lot of Spanish-speaking population. Maybe that's just my ignorance on the whole state of Indiana. I've been through yeah. there a few times. Uh, 55 mile an hour speed limits do not agree with oh me. Oh my It is God. the absolute worst. Awful. Yeah, uh, uh. Like I drove multiple times across this country and went through Indiana a few times. Not something I want to do again. Don't do it. Um, but, like, it, it makes me wonder, like, what was it about Spanish and, like, the Spanish culture that made you want to get so inundated with it? Well, I literally had been taking Spanish since, like, kindergarten. Um, and then I actually wanted to quit Spanish and I wanted to take French my freshman year of high school. And my parents were like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Like, no. Like, they're like, JLo, you need to become bilingual. You've been doing this so long. Why would you, like, give that up now and not keep working toward actually learning another language and being fluent in another, in another language? Um, so, you know, I fought them on it like any teenager does, but sticking with it um, and learning more about, like, just the Spanish culture, the Hispanic culture, and just different regions and different dialects. And, like, it's just a beautiful language. Um, and I tell my coworkers this all the time. I really don't see a lot of differences between the black culture and the Hispanic culture. There are a lot of similarities. So I don't know if that was something else that drew me to it. It was just like, you know, like another side of me that I was exploring, obviously not Hispanic, but it was just, it was cool to tap into that and be able to learn another language and connect with people um, on a different cultural level. Whenever you first came here to El Paso from Amarillo, once again from Spain, Indiana, coming all the way over here to El Paso, what was it about like El Paso that you just kind of like fell in love with? Because to me, one of the best things we have here is like the skyline and the mountains <clears throat> and the sunsets here you cannot beat. So what was it to you that kind of just drew you in here? You said it, the mountains. I am obsessed with the mountains. So my aunt, she actually lived in El Paso for a little bit. So crazy. Um, but her husband was stationed at Fort Bliss. So they were here for a little bit. Um, and she kind of told me some things about it. And she had mentioned too, you know, the mountains are just beautiful. And when I came here, I was obsessed. I was like, I have to live somewhere with the mountains. And when I move into an apartment, after I get the job, I'm not moving anywhere where I can't see the mountains from my bedroom. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was uh, probably what drew me here the most. And, and the beautiful skyline, like you said. There, there's something, like it's not huge, but there's just something about it where it actually looks beautiful. Like, yes. Like, like I, I've seen New York, like, you know, being all over, you see all these different places, but there's something about this one that just draws you in. Yeah. It, it is absolutely amazing. Once again, my guest here is Jayla Washington from CBS4 K Fox. She is one of the multimedia journalist storytellers. I love the storyteller at the end. I will not say that enough. <laughs> I love the storyteller at the end. Uh, we've been talking a lot about some serious stuff. Or not serious stuff, we've been talking about like all the funny stuff, bringing you here to El Paso, all that. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring you in here is to talk about 
I guess some more serious stuff. Whenever you look at the landscape of college athletics, whenever you look at the landscape of everything going around the country right now, uh, the biggest thing or the thing that should be at the forefront of everyone's focal point right now should be the Black Lives Matter movement and making sure that that doesn't get squashed out because now sports are back and everyone's minds are going el elsewhere. An article came out on ESPN last week, and that's kind of what got you and I talking, about Tia, and I hope I don't ruin her last name, Kiyaku? Mm -hmm. Yes. If you don't know the story, what ESPN basically reported on was that Alabama Gymnastics, right after the George Floyd uh, issue, put up the black box that a lot of us put up on social media, and they said, United we stand, or something along those lines. Where Tia came out and said, how could you guys put that up whenever you treated me this way? There were apparently a lot of racial slurs sent out her way. Um, all kinds of just disparaging comments and things like that made towards her in the gymnastics world. And it got me thinking because you are a gymnast. It's one of the things that you have on your Twitter profile. Former gymnast. Former gymnast. <laughs> I mean, you can get back. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I would like to see, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, but the girl from UCLA. I think it was like two years ago where she like did like all the stuff. Oh, to the, yeah. Uh, I can yeah. see you doing that. Maybe back in my prime, but... You gotta, like, start stretching yeah, again. Yeah, maybe get back into some weights. <laughs> is that what it is? It's mainly weights? Oh, well, it was weights, it was cardio, it was a lot. <laughs> it was college. everything. Yeah. I, I, I cannot bend in any way at all, so anytime a gymnast does anything, it blows my mind, and you guys are better athletes than football players. I will say that a million times. Like, the athletics it takes to do what gymnasts do, much better than running a route. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. But it got me thinking about stuff, and it got me thinking about... You know, the, the world of gymnastics and not just that, but like the world of college athletics as a whole, because as we know, it's a disgusting place out there. And it made me wonder, was that something that you ever had to deal with where, you know, you had the racial slurs coming your way? Because I don't, I don't know the demographics of Ball State, but I don't think of it as an HBCU or a place that's going to be very friendly to African Americans. So what was that like, and was there anything like that that you experienced? I had a phenomenal experience at Ball State. Thankfully, never dealt with any racial slurs, anything like that. Um, obviously, I was a minority, but you kind of get used to that. I grew up in a predominantly white community, um, Carmel, Indiana, as I mentioned. So at times, you can feel a little isolated and alone because, you know, you are a minority, but that didn't stem from anything that, you know, was happening at Ball State or any of the treatment that I was getting at Ball State. Um, I had very supportive coaches, very supportive teammates, um, and even though I, I was different and I am a minority, I'm so thankful that I never went through anything like that. And it's funny, it's such a small world. Tia, she joined Ball State Gymnastics team um, a year after I graduated. So. I was never teammates with her. Um, I wouldn't even call Tia a friend just because we didn't know each other. Our paths never really crossed other than just having mutual teammates. But <clears throat> after I graduated, I remember staying in contact with a lot of my teammates and things like that. And I was like, Tia, like, this girl is amazing. And then, like, you know, when freshmen come in, they always take a while to find their own. And you could tell right away, like, that Tia was just, like, confident like ready to dominate like and that's just me from the outside looking in she just had that confidence she had a way that she carried herself um so she did spend a short time at ball state but reading that article it was phenomenal one because i mean they they did their due diligence they really did um but it was also really heartbreaking because how small of a world it is and knowing that that could have been my teammate a year prior who ended up transferring to another university, going through that type of treatment that, you know, she described to ESPN and what they wrote about in the article. It's sickening. I mean, and it's heartbreaking, but I'm not surprised just because you don't have a lot of black people in the gymnastics world. I think you're, we're getting more, you know, as time goes on, but I know that at my club gym specifically, um, there weren't a lot of us, and club was before college growing up, there weren't a lot of us. Um, I went to gymnastics. My gym during high school was in Greenwood, Indiana. I would drive an hour away just because that was where one of the better gyms was, and I wanted to pursue a career in college. But um, 
the only reason I'm not surprised is just because, I mean, this is something that exists on every level, unfortunately, even in the sports world. Um, and you can be dominating and you can be, you know, putting up the scores for your team, doing this, doing that, and still having be having to deal with so many things behind closed doors, as, um, you know, Tia said that she was. So, again, thankfully, did have very supportive coaches um, at Ball State. I mean, coaches who I still talk to today. Um, but I can't imagine going through something like that and... It just, it, it really broke my heart reading that article and you could feel her pain when she was, you know, in, in reading her quotes that ESPN put together in that article. So, I mean, I wish I could say stuff like this doesn't happen anymore, but it does. And that's the unfortunate truth about it. And this is the thing that a lot of people need to realize with like an article from ESPN or the Washington Post or, you know, even, even the stuff that like KFOX and CBS would break. This stuff doesn't get put out there without a bunch of lawyers looking at it and saying, okay, we can vet this. But there, there's a vetting process that all this has to go through. So in your mind, you can sit there and tell yourself, oh, this doesn't happen. This, this isn't a thing that goes on. But you have to realize that if it weren't true, it wouldn't be printed out at that scope because there's so much legal stuff that could happen. There's so many ramifications that can come back to ESPN. So it does make you wonder, okay, how could people be okay with it like, like how could the coaches at Alabama say the stuff that they said and then have the the audacity to say okay let's put up the stuff for for Black Lives Matter let's do all this on the outside so people will say okay they're being supportive of it and to me it's 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 sickening and, and you you mentioned it whenever you look at it in the landscape of sports like whenever you have a guy like LeBron James and he comes out and he says oh, okay you know Black Lives Matter this is a few years ago with Trayvon Martin and he's living in L.A., and people go to his house in L.A. and spray paint the N-word all over his garage. This is LeBron James. And it makes me wonder what happens to the other athletes out there that aren't on that pedestal that LeBron James is on, that aren't up on that you know upper echelon of known athlete out there. And then you get to read this story, this unfortunate story that happened to Tia, and, and it makes you wonder, what the hell can we do? Like, like how is this still a thing in 2020? You know what I mean? And... The more that, that, that you have to deal with all these stories coming up, because it seems like every week we have a story coming up. I, mean, I don't know how, how familiar you are with sports right now. Um, I know whenever <coughs> I was playing sports, I inundated my life with just the singular sport that I was doing mm -hmm. at that point in time. Um, but I, I don't know like how familiar you are, but there was a, a broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds this week that oh. dropped the, yep. the F word. And he's like, oh, well, I want people to think, you know, or to know that I'm a man of faith and I'm this and I'm that. If you're comfortable saying that word the way that you're comfortable saying that word to where it just slips out, literally as you're about to go to a broadcast, to people that are still hearing to you, you aren't the man that you say you are. And it makes me wonder, like, how many of these other issues are out there that we need to start un uncovering up because now's the time. The one thing that we can learn from everything that, that has happened recently with George Floyd, with uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, with uh, Breonna Taylor, is that this stuff is prevalent. And I, w I was thinking about this uh, a little bit earlier today because it's just been one of these things that's on my mind. I know everyone, I'm the sports guy. you got to stick to sports. Stay the hell out of here with that. <laughs> Th there's nothing that annoys me more than that. I've gotten so much on my show. I've done so many things where it's like, okay, I stay out of the realm of sports. Like, I eat tacos. No one tells me to stick to sports. <laughs> but I sat here and I thought to this. What happens if those other officers were able to convince the one officer who was on George Floyd's neck to get off him and George Floyd survives? It's not what it is now. And it sucks that it has to get to that point. And it makes me think, okay, this story that happened to Tia, it was front page news on ESPN for a couple of hours and then something else happens and it's swept under the rug. What's it going to take for us to sit back and say, this happened, how do we fix it? Well, first of all, I think that whenever you use the R word, mm -hmm. racism, people shy away from that. When, people, when we're talking about racism, we're not calling you a racist. It's a sensitive word and it's a sensitive subject, but you can't just shy away from the topic. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people want to pretend like because it doesn't affect them, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. 
and it's very easy for them to just brush it off because it doesn't have to do with their immediate life. But I think that's the issue. I mean, with all of this stuff going on, I personally have had to take a look in the mirror like, okay, I call you my friend, I call you my friend. I'm not saying you've got to do it for the gram, you've got to do it for social media. That's, at the end of the day, that means nothing. Hmm. But if with everything that's been going on, if you haven't reached out to me to have a conversation or, I mean, I've been very vocal about, you know, certain things regarding the Black Lives Matter movement on my social media pages. I mean, it's no secret that I'm a supporter of the movement because once again, why shouldn't Black Lives Matter? Mm -hmm. Like it's a, we're human beings, you know, like, and it's crazy that we even have to say that, but we have to say it because we're trying to get a point across. But I mean, I've even had to take a look in the mirror and assess some of my relationships. And I'm to the point in my life where if you cannot take a stand for what is right, once again, has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with who you support. It is basic human rights. So if you cannot be vocal or you cannot understand a movement that is literally fighting for racial equality then we can't be friends and I think that a lot of black people are to that point and maybe there are a lot of black people that were already at that point but I know me in particular you know I'm a very forgiving person I'm a very accepting person you know I don't like to hold grudges I like to blow stuff off life is too short it's like why do you want to walk around with a chip on your shoulder but I'm to the point where doing my part and not letting people just go on with their lives or not care about certain things because it doesn't affect them, I'm not going to be associated with that. And, yeah, I'm questioning whether we're friends or not regarding how a lot of people have responded to what's been going on. Because at the end of the day, it's up to people who don't look like me, who don't even look like you, to stand up and be vocal. Like, it's sad, but it's true. We need the majority to step up and to stop blowing stuff off as just a joke when someone says the N-word in a song or when someone sees something happening that they know isn't right and they just, you know, oh, that's none of my business. I'm not going to, I'm not saying go get involved and be, blow up and make it a whole big thing, but it's time to stop being silent about things you know are not right. And I think that's what it's going to take for people to continuously have these conversations because once again, just because it doesn't impact you doesn't mean that what's going on is not very real. And I also wanted to ask this point too, because I, I feel like now a lot of the messaging behind the movement is like getting convoluted and people are trying to politicize everything. Once again, I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head where you say it's not a political thing. It's just saying, look, I am the same as you. That is basically like, like, I want to be treated the way that you treat yourself or the way that you treat people that look like you. And I don't find that to be a hard ask. I've, I've often brought this story up whenever I lived in North Carolina. It was the weirdest thing to me because I was there in my Air Force uniform. I'm at a Walmart and a gentleman comes up to me. And obviously, I, despite my name and despite my voice, I am a brown guy. <laughs> um, and he comes up to me and he just asks, do you happen to do yards? And it's one of those things where, like, you had to sit back and you know what the stereotype is whenever you got Latinos, like, oh, of course they're going to do all your yard work and all that nonsense. And I had to take a step back and, like, no, sorry, I'm in the United States Air Force. Like, but you had to have done a few yards, right? Like, if, if, how much would you charge me? I got about an acre or so. Like, I'm in the United States Air Force. I'm not going to have time to do your yard. Maybe you can go get someone else to do it. And that was something to me, you know, coming from El Paso, where you're basically... The beautiful thing about here, too, is that you are shielded from a lot of racism. I'm not saying that there's not any out there. I'm saying that there's a big, nice bubble here that we all get to live in where we don't get to necessarily see it the way that it happens everywhere else. And I'll also say this. Our police department here does a great job. Once again, always rated as one of the safest cities in El Paso. They are underfunded in my mind. I would not want them to be defunded, but I want to see allocations of money go elsewhere. That's not the same everywhere else. That's not the same in Indianapolis. That's not the same in New York City. It's not the same in Minnesota. It is not like we cannot compare the bubble of El Paso to the rest of the world out there. And the experiences we have are not going to be the experiences that we could have in San Angelo, yeah, exactly. in Amarillo, in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. 
So whenever I think about this, and, and we, we talk about you know, all the politicizing of the movement of what Black Lives Matter is, how do we first off get the message out there that, look, you can support the police officers and you can support Black Lives Matter? How do we get that message out there? I think it's about having open conversations with people who don't agree with you. <laughs> you always want to shy away from conversations because someone doesn't agree with you. I mean, I'll raise my hand to that. You don't want to deal with it. It's a headache. You don't want to have a debate with someone when they're not going to see your side. But <clears throat> I don't think that you're ever going to be able to see the other side unless you're willing to actually listen. And not just, like, listen and wait for them to finish talking. Like, no. What? Why do you feel the way you feel? We have to realize that everybody comes from different backgrounds if someone is feeling a certain way about a certain topic, most of the time it probably has to do with their upbringing and what they're used to being around. But if we're going to stay inside of our own little bubbles, like you said, especially, you know, somewhere like El Paso where you don't get a lot of, you know, racism just because everybody looks like each other here, you're never going to get to the root of the problem by always just kind of putting up your wall and not wanting to hear anybody else out. Once again, we're here with uh, Jayla Washington. She is a very well-traveled uh, <laughs> multimedia journalist storyteller for KFOX and CBS here in El Paso. Uh, she does great work. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram, on Twitter at JaylaKFox underscore CBS, on Instagram, JaylaWashTV. Um, in all the areas that you've been, because I know, like, just from my experiences, Europe is a very different place than the United States. Was that something that you, got, that you unfortunately had to experience whenever you were over in Spain? Is it something that you feel that you experience more here in El Paso whenever we talk about the, let's just call it what it is, racist acts of individuals? I didn't deal with any racism in Europe. Actually, my boyfriend's going to kill me for saying this, but like the Spaniard men over in, over in Spain love black women. They really do. So I used to have uh, my hair in twists when I was there for the summer. And like, even like the women, the men, they could not get enough of like my hair. They were like, oh, like... So, no, none of that in Spain. You can cut that part if you want. My boyfriend will kill me. No, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> you, want, you want to give him a shout-out? Boyfriend, it's there. Tyler, I love you. You know I love you. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> here in El Paso, also have not dealt with any racism. But I think the hardest thing for me, especially with all of this going on, again, it's kind of that feeling of isolation just a little bit. And here's the thing. Like... Yes, there are a lot of similarities between the Hispanic culture, the black culture. So here I really have felt at home, even though I guess I technically am a minority, but it, I'm in a minority community, so I don't feel as much of a minority, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but because people here have not had to experience racism or, you know, they're not used to any of that, because it's like, no, you're, you're here in El Paso, like everybody in El Paso, like looks like you, like they've been brought up the same. You don't get a lot of people who are judging you for who you are literally just because of how you were born. So being here has been kind of tough just with everything that's been going on, just because I feel like I don't have a lot of understanding from, um, you know, people generally in the community because people here from what I've learned from talking just to people who grew up here and you know my friends and co-workers and things like that it's hard to grasp just because you've never had to deal with anything like that so not saying they don't support it or that they don't want to understand it but I think that that has been surprising to me because I guess I just realized we're all minorities like what do you mean you guys don't get it like <laughs> yeah. yes racism is real and like I know people here know that racism is real but it's also just been kind of eye-opening to once again how you were raised where you were born there are just certain things that you just don't know we talk about like you know El Paso being that bubble and I, th I think that's one of the things that I get frustrated with as like a native El Paso one is that you'll see people time and time again being like why is this still a thing like like how how is this still a thing and I hate that they refer to you know Black Lives Matter as this like how is this a thing still well, because it doesn't necessarily happen here, it doesn't mean it's not happening outside. And I think that that's the overlying message that we have to try to get to people here in El Paso, is that there's so much more. I feel like that's always been the, the issue here in El Paso, is that we just isolate ourselves. Because, I mean, we're so far away from everything else in Texas. The, I think the closest big city to us is like a, you know, 400 mile. Like, everything's so far away that we're on our own little island out here. 
And I think that we need to get people, I don't want to necessarily say uncomfortable, but on that level of uncomfortable. Get them uncomfortable, say it. Because they have to be. Like, like, the only way that you're actually going to know and then say to yourself, oh, okay, this needs to change, is by feeling it. Living in North Carolina, living in Connecticut, living even in Alaska, it was there in your face. Like, 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 the native Alaskans. They, 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 they call them Eskimos. And I thought that that was a, a, you know, a regular term that people can use. And apparently it's a racial slur, the same thing as the Washington football team. And that's not something that you actually know of until you go up there and you learn these things. And what's the harm in learning more? Exactly. It's going to be a great topic, a great subject. And it's interesting to see where we are right now in the world as we go forward. Like, like even seeing the football team change its name. That shows you where we've come in just the last few years and how this is going to go forward. Um, before I let you go, I said I wanted to get serious and we're going to do like our, you know, the, the compliment sandwich whenever you get in trouble at work. Trust me, I know this all too well. You did this good. Here's what you did bad. Here's what you do good. Before you move on, though, can I say something about yes. you? So you're talking about, you know, wanting to learn more, wanting to kind of step outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated you wanting to reach out to have this open dialogue you, you know, you said, hey, I don't know necessarily what to say, but I think that we need to have the discussion, and I think something needs to be said. And I think that that is a prime example of what we need more of. Um, you know, I've had the same thing with the Miha Yes You Can campaign. They reached out to me and wanted me to write a blog for them. So just because you don't understand something or you might not ever understand it or feel what somebody else might feel doesn't mean that you can't try to step inside of their shoes and I really appreciate you doing that because with your platform and you know being born and raised El Pasoan I think we need more of that and I really 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 commend you for doing that so thank you thank you and, and thank you for actually wanting to have this conversation with me and, and and once again like the the reason why I try not to make everything so sports centric and peeling back the curtain like there's a lot of people that have listened to the show and have listened to the show for a while a lot of the new people out there notice that I don't bring on a lot of people that look like me. I will bring on a lot of women. I have eight sisters. Trust me. <laughs> I, I see the plight that women have to go through, especially in media. And then whenever I see, you know, black women and what they have to go through, not just in El Paso, but other cities as well, it's a voice that I think needs to be amplified now. And I think all of us need to stand together and say we're tired of every single one of us being muted. Because... I'm a man. I get to say whatever the hell it is that I want. I'm also a minority. I can say whatever I want to offend somebody. And for the most part, I can get by with it by just saying, oh, that guy's a silly sports dude. Not everyone's afforded that luxury. Not everyone's afforded that voice. And to me, it's all about empowering the people that don't have a voice or don't necessarily get their voice amplified out there. So thank you for not only your kind words, but for joining me here on this as well. El Paso is a beautiful city. And I've mentioned it, you know, our own little bubble here, and we basically have to survive with our friends over in Juarez. Like, this is the only way that we can all come up together here. What's been, like, your favorite thing here in El Paso? Outside of the scenery, I know you're going to go directly default mountains and skyline and all that stuff. Uh, I saw earlier today you were eating buttery popcorn while drinking a coffee. It was, what, six of seven coffees that you had this morning? Probably, yeah. (laughs) Probably. What is, like, the restaurant? What are your favorite things here in El Paso? Well, the food. I love the food, obviously. Um, so do I. But can I really just say the people? Is that cliche to say oh, that's that? too cliche. I feel like that's too cliche. Is Everyone, it too cliche? Because everyone says that all the time. Like they come to El Paso, like, oh, those old past ones are so nice. Well, let me tell you why I love the people, though. Okay, and then I'll give you another, I guess, favorite of mine here yes. in El Paso. I love the people because the people here have very loyal personalities. Um, I've got a really strong personality. I mean, I can come off a little strong sometimes. I mean, sue me, whatever, it's who I am. (laughs) But here, I've felt very embraced. People are like, hey, you are who you are. And they've been just really, like, loyal. Like, if you've got something to say, they're going to say it to me. If you don't have anything to say, you're still going to say it to me. You know? So I I really just appreciate that because... I don't feel like, and I think I've made some of the best friends ever here in El Paso, seriously, and that sounds so cliche, but it's just a different level of loyalty that you get from the people here. Okay, Um, moving on, I can't say the scenery, Uh, I don't want to say the food, 
Um... Well, to me, like, I hope you say food because then I could ask about restaurants. Okay. So, favorite restaurant so far? If you Ooh. say Chico's, I want to be so <laughs> mad. I've never had Chico's. Really? No. So, I know you, I think Holly Bach hasn't, and I know Alyssa Beth and Cora hasn't either. No. So now we we gotta find a way <laughs> to get the three of you. I don't even know if Patrick Shalvier has. Oh, really? So, so I, I gotta I, I gotta find my friends over at K Fox CBS, and we gotta like just one day wreck into Chico's Tacos. What is that other place? Isn't it right up here? It's uh the place you go after you've like had a good night, and you go and eat there, and like the food's really good. It's a Mexican place. It's not Chico's. I described ninety five percent of El Paso's restaurants. Ah, <laughs> oh, what's it called? Man, I can't think of it anywhere right now. Probably like the menudo and the hangover and all that stuff. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Uh, I mean, there's like a, there's, oh, there's so many of them. There's like Recon, there's Lucy's, there's all kinds of places around here. No, but I've never had Chico's. My I'm favorite. Chico's. Yeah, for real, we're going to go. Um, my favorite place here so far. Can I say Ariella's? Not Ariella's. Um, Avila's. Avila's. I love Avila's. What is, what is it about Avila's? <sighs> They're crunchy taco shells. I sound so fat. <laughs> but they just like melt in your mouth. The meat is so moist and flavorful. Um, and the customer service there is great. It really is great. I feel like I'm just going down to my auntie's house to eat some tacos and drink some margaritas. So. Yeah, I really have enjoyed Avilas. Also, have to let the people know this show is brought to you today by Avilas. <laughs> oh, I was like, I know, right? I'm all like giving a free commercial. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm about it. I, I got in trouble by my boss the other day as I go off on my weird tangents as I always do. I got in trouble with my boss the other day who's more than likely not going to listen this far into the show. Um, because I found this place that sold uh, uh, Mazapanawa. Oh. And I have, like, I'm a big horchata guy, limonada, I will not ever get out of my thing. Like, I have my comfort zone, I stay in my comfort zone, because I very much have, like, buyer's remorse when I get something I don't, like, that's not my norm. Mm -hmm. I went and I got this mazapanawa, and I was, like, talking about this food truck over there on the east side of El Paso. My boss got so mad at me, I was like, well, why would they advertise with you? I don't want them to, because first off, they're a small business, like, they need to keep as much money as they can. Right. Secondly, what's wrong with giving love, man? Like, right. just, uh, and we, we had ourselves a nice about 90 minute back and forth with one another, and I told him, I'm me, I'm not going to change, I've, I've got this far without changing, so take it or leave it. Avilaz, you want to give us a little bit of love, though? I'm about it. I will eat your tacos <laughs> on air. I will, like, the crunchy tacos, this, um, this is the thing that bothers me is people always tell me because I like crunchy tacos and I'm glad you're on my side now, they always tell me that because I like crunchy tacos that I'm not like a true El Pasoan because what? I have to have like the street tacos. Oh, I love a crunchy taco. No, I do too. But it's like, you can get the crunchy, like, flauta, it's still a little, it's like still a little soft, but still a little crunchy and like, it's like the best of both worlds, but no, I'm a crunchy girl all the way. Oh yeah, you know, you gotta have that texture. Yeah. It's all about the texture. I'm a big fat guy, I can talk about food all day, <laughs> I, need, I need to, to back <laughs> off of that. What are some of like your favorite spots to go to here in El Paso? Like it's a, today's Friday night, pre-COVID, post-COVID, where would the people of El Paso be able to find you hanging out, getting, uh, getting a little tipsy? Let's see, on a Friday night, where would Jayla Washington be? Um, I'm gonna say what is tequila. I did, I did go to what is, and oh, that was that was fun. I went with some of my coworkers. Everything is so cheap over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a nightmare I whenever you're older and have money with money. And I'm like, how we bought like a whole bottle of tequila. God, don't get me started. Um, on a Friday night, you know what? I'm a very rooftop vibe type girl. Um, I mean, I don't mind, like, going out to, like, Cincy. Like, I'm still young. I'm only 25. But for me, that's not so much my scene anymore. I'm more of, like, a hotel indigo rooftop type girl. And I can't wait for uh, the new rooftop, the new hotel downtown to open. Oh, the, the plaza? Mm-hmm. I actually did a tour there. I did, too. Yeah. Oh. Did you, it was beautiful, huh? That that scene, like, like I went about 7 o'clock at night, like, as the sun is setting, and they get you, like, on the roof. Like, oh, my, I cannot wait. Yes. I, I, I told my wife, I was like, as soon as we can. Yes. Like, I don't care what type of party it is. We are having some sort of party up on that. Yes. Like, or I, I will buy the it's whole thing. It's just the here. best vibe, and you can go with a couple of good friends and just, like, kick back, like you said, relax, have a couple of drinks, and it's just ugh, the music, the vibe. I'm all about the vibes. So, yeah. 
So outside of a uh, buttery popcorn and coffee, what is like the go-to drink? My go-to drink. My best friend were listening. She would say tequila. Um, my go-to drink is wine, though. I'm a wine girl. I'm a, I'm a wine snob. I so, am. So so okay. So like wine and tequila are two completely different <laughs> spectrums. Like like how, how why would your best friend say tequila? Well, if like, I'm with her, it's tequila. Oh yeah, well that's why. So you're just knocking them back. Yeah, she's a tequila girl, so, like, we'll go and have, like, Mexican and Margs or something like that. Um, but if I'm just, like, going to meet some friends for, like, dinner or just, like, a drink, I'm always, like, my friends make fun of me, like, Jaylee, you're in a bar and you're ordering a glass of wine. Like, you're that bougie girl walking around a bar with a glass of wine. I'm like, sue me. Yeah, I am. See, I like that. I like that, though, because it's, it's a little different. Like, with me, my go-to is Jim Beam and Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. I need to start getting away from the Dr. Pepper, but I'm a Texan. It's an addiction. It runs through your blood. <laughs> um... Are you the person, though, like, whenever you order the wine, do you just say, like, I'll have the Merlot, or do you go, like, I'll have the Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> uh oh, I can tell by the laugh it's the other part, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. I can't help it, I'm like, Sauvignon Blanc. And, like, my boyfriend, like, he'll drink wine with me every now and then. If he, like, orders something and he, like, says it wrong, I'll, I'll like, whisper it to him, and then he'll be like, what, what are you saying? And I'm like, he'll have the Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> like, you know, so, <laughs> I know, I'm a wine snob, I am. Has he ever brought, like, the box wine? Like, you guys are just hanging out on, a, like, a weekend, one of these lazy COVID weekends brings over the box wine, and you just look at it and shake your head now? He knows better. Oh, uh, <laughs> so he's taught now. Oh, yes, he's okay. taught now. Before, he might, he might try that before in, like, our college days, but no. Now, he pretty much knows, like, okay, Jayla's gonna be the apothic red or, like, the menage a trois type girl, so, yeah. The apothic red, like you're saying stuff I've never even heard of. Like I'm not a big wine dude. Um, I think I've had maybe in my life four or five glasses of wine, and two of them were on my show because my boss made me drink them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, so, as like the guy, like the 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 layman guy introducing himself into wine, what should be my go-to? Like, what would be the wine that pulls me in? Always look at the alcohol content. Okay. Never drink anything below twelve point five percent. And for a guy that likes Jim Beam, you're gonna wanna do a red. White is a little lighter. I think that red tends to get you there a little a little faster. So it gets me where I wanna be. Mm-hmm. Okay, without the weight. Mm -hmm. I will also say this, even though I am the guy that drinks a lot of whiskey and tequila and all that, I also like a pineapple cider beer. Oh. Which is like the weirdest yeah. thing. Uh, I go to a bar and like I, they have to put the chili on the rim because that that would be like my bougie <laughs> my, my like my bougie orders like look I ain't drinking that beer if you ain't got no chili on that rim. Right. You go take it back. You put it in another glass. Like, like it's, it is that simple whenever it comes to me. Uh, so the red wine. That's where I need to go. Red wine and dry. It might be a bitter taste at first, but anything sweet is probably gonna give you a headache and it's not going to give you a buzz if you're drinking to have a good time. Well, you see, and that was my thing. Like, I did drink some of the sweet wines. I got the headache. And I said, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. So now I have the wine connoisseur, the wine snob <laughs> here with me. Uh, you're going to have to be my go-to now. All right. So we, we got that. You will be hearing a lot more from me. Challenge I'll, I'll, accepted. I'll have, you know, a big box of wine and be like, is this the one that I should have got? No boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will try my best to stick away from boxes. The Socorro boy always comes out of me every now and then. You got to buy it in bulk. So maybe I'll go to Costco. Okay. This segment brought to you by Costco. <laughs> Jayla, thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation. I cannot wait till we have another one. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to meet you face to face finally.